Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler. And this is a very special edition. You may already realize that the sound quality is a little different. Um, we'll explain why that is in a second. But I am joined today with regulars to the show and fellow Fueligans, Melissa Cavanaugh. Howdy, ho. And Philip Fariska. Hey, everybody. And I also have a very special guest. He has been complaining and whining and moaning at me for <laughs> years to get on this show. Long-term friend of the show, contributor to the thoughts we have on the show, is my good friend, Lauren Gray. How are you doing, oh, sir? Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. First-time caller, long-time listener. <laughs> there, there's this superstar on YouTube called Lauren Gray. Spells it the same, but she is like a 19-year-old female. And Lauren is a... Let's say slightly north of 19-year-old male. Slightly. Mm. Yeah. Slightly. Just uh, fractionally. But Lauren's been around in the industry for donkey's years. So we, we figured we would bring him in for this episode. So I don't know if you guys know or not. I don't know if you've heard of this or not. But the, the news of Rue today, we're not even going to do the jingle, is the fact that there's this little thing going on called coronavirus or COVID-19. I don't know if you guys have... Heard anything about this on the interwebs? Before? No, 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 no. It's like fax, passing fad. <laughs> it's it's a fad like the internet, right? Itself. Yeah. yeah. We just and and you know you may have problems with that. This is just humorous how we deal with stress in our lives in the fuel office, and hopefully that's why you're listening to podcasts to de-stress a little bit. But we're here today not to give you any information about the the. the the disease itself and the spread, because I think there's a lot of that information around. But we're going to talk, you know, about some practical things that we've learned and some advice. And you know, over the next few episodes, I think we'll we'll throw some stuff in. There's also some resources coming out from Fuel about, you know, how to create demand in a downturn economy, things like that. We're going to have downloads for that next week on our website. So stay tuned. We're here as always to help support the industry, and right now more than ever is you know, a time that we all need to rally together, keep some sane heads and, you know, try to figure out solutions to the challenges that are facing all of us. So with that being said, we're going to break this episode into two parts. First part, Lauren has this amazing show called This Week in Hospitality Marketing. Uh, it's available on This Week in Hospitality, digitalmarketing.com slash, slash show, slash live show, Lauren. Slash live, slash live is where you can get it, yeah. Slash live. And um, every week, he and myself and a bunch of other folks will talk and ramble for an hour or two about the latest news and things going on in the industry. And today, I missed the episode, but I heard it was great, and he had a couple of spectacular guests on there. So do you want to tell us a little bit about who you had on and what they were talking about, Lauren? Yeah, it was kind of a magic uh, magic moment, to be honest with you. It was, it was like a peace treaty was being signed or something. I don't know. But you know, we had um, Dr. Uh, Cecil Stanton from um, Alhoa, the president and CEO of Alhoa, which is the Asian American Owners Hotel Owners Association International. Uh, and then we also had Mr. Uh, uh, Bob Gilbert, who is the president and CEO of HSMAI, which is the Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International. And uh, it was a great coming together of two very different uh, associations that represent literally tens of thousands of people in the, the industry from owners all the way through to line employees. So it was a great chance to hear them talk about and harmonize really on the, on the topic. 
Yeah, I, I don't remember in my 20 years in the industry that ever really them two having the same platform at the same time and, and you know, having a similar message to, to send. And when you think about the scale of who they cover, Ahoa alone represents close to 50% of the entire hospitality industry in North America. You know, their members do. So mm-hmm. these these guys are definitely leaders in the industry and they're trying to set a, a precedent and, and try to control the narrative a little bit and make sure that people aren't just freaking out you know unnecessarily obviously this is a concern for a lot of people but there's also a rational level-headed approach that is is obviously going to yield better results than um going crazy you know as yoda once said fear leads to anger anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering so fear is is the path to the dark side we don't want to go down that route so what were your takeaways from the, the episode today lauren well, it's funny, you, it, and you know I'm a big Star Wars fan as well, and we could geek out back and forth, and we know we need to do a podcast about that today, but um, strangely enough, fear was a part of the topic conversation. Um, it, it is what's driving what's happening right now. We're in that first wave of, of impact, and, and I know that you all are experiencing it within the market that, you can, that you're involved with and markets that you're involved with, and it happens literally just like it happened to you today. It's happening all around where it's all... Like Mike Tyson said, it, it, you, you, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the face. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the plans that we had uh, associated with black swan events or unknowns or downturn markets and all the things we've been talking about over time didn't prepare us for the sheer bleakness of this and the suddenness of this. And both of them concurred that uh, fear is the worst aspect of this and the uncertainty and the unknown. Um, both took their takes as to what they consider to be longevity. Of course, representing what they represent, they're not going to talk about worst case scenarios. They're going to, you know, be the life of Brian. Look to the bright side of life, you know. <laughs> and so they're going to talk about what to do to come out of this. There are some realities to this. We will get through this. We will get past this. How we all read the numbers or what have you, as they both pointed out, is a matter of interpretation as to your response times. Um, we did talk a little bit about the mechanics of short-term response versus long-term response, uh, but both of them were very optimistic in, in their their verbiage as to how they're trying to get through the cluttered noise of everybody else is now turned into an expert on this stuff, where they couldn't even say coronavirus mm-hmm. a month ago, and now you is one. Um, mm-hmm. And so trying to create some similarity in both of their messages. We know that HSMAI has put out a series of webinars this past week in response to addressing some of the direct concerns. They, according to Bob, had some great uh, audiences with that, measuring in the hundreds. Um, there is a webinar response that's coming through Alhoa. Alhoa had to move, just recently announced moving their conference, which is a indicative result of of what people should look at of not canceling things so much as maybe reassigning a time for them in optimism in the future. Um, and But it was a unique experience to see that HSMAI talks to line and operations more than they do owners. And here Alhoa talks more to owners and less operations and so forth. So both cultures got to listen to each other's perspective. Uh, Alhoa talks and, you know, they have their their legal arms in the sense of, of Washington, D.C., where they're very much in the lobbyist of supporting the industry, where HSMI isn't. They're into the active uh, property involvement and management of those properties. So uh, it was a great to see both really echoing each other's sentiments, not methodologies, but sentiments as to rational, calm, reduction of fear, clarity of purpose and planning and responses to it. Yeah, that's great. And, and I think that's we're seeing a lot of leadership from these kinds of organizations and industry, which is really what we need right now is a 
calming voice to give us a roadmap. And, and we're not here at Fuel, you know, to, to tell you what to do or to really comment on the situation itself. That's that's not our position. But we feel like it would be remiss of us if we didn't take the opportunity to use our platform to maybe help some folks in the industry. You know, that's the core of why we started this this project of the podcast was we really genuinely wanted to help the industry move forward. And we saw a lot of mistakes being made and we felt like we had knowledge and experience that could be, you know, shared with the world. And so that's really the purpose of today. We want to talk about, and the reason we have Lauren on, Lauren was heavily involved in the operations of properties back really the last time a major black swan event similar to this happened, which was all of a sudden, no one saw it coming and it, it created a lot of fear and uncertainty, and that was 9-11, obviously. So we're going to be spending some time just talking about the things that, that Lauren learned during that period and how they came out of it you know, stronger and more prepared for the, for the next time. Um, but before we do that, I do want to say this. I, I went away to California earlier this week on a, on a business trip, and I was literally gone for 24 hours, and I feel like everything changed so quickly because when i left there was some fear and a lot of murmurings but nothing really no one was pulling the trigger on everything right and i come back to a day later and all these major sporting seasons are canceled now you know trump's just declared a, a national state of emergency uh, like it's just it's bananas people are, are taking toilet paper in the truckloads out of shops and you know it's a shortage on toilet paper it is it is crazy to see how quickly this happened. So, Melissa, I'm going to throw you on the spot real quick. We've been seeing, we've been monitoring our traffic across our clients, right, for during this entire outbreak, trying to figure out what it means for the hospitality industry. We know that the um, airline industries, the cruise line industries, obviously groups and meetings have been devastated already by this. But we were kind of not seeing too much of an impact. Like only really the last seven days was where we started seeing a, a significant slowdown. But wouldn't right. you say the last 20, 24 to 48 hours, is, is, it's kind of a flip, switch has flipped? It really has. I, 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 yes. I mean, one property in particular, I know usually books, I'm just going to say forty to $60,000 a day. And yesterday it was $10,000. $10, I mean... These are not small drops in revenue. They're they're significant. Yeah. And what's been interesting about watching the data over the last week or two has been, it doesn't seem that it's not like people aren't shopping, right? The demand seemed to be there. People were curious. There was just this kind of reluctance to book. And, and that's what's really been exacerbated in the last 24, 48 hours because of all this uncertainty. Like people literally don't know if they can travel with their offices. You know, we at Fuel just, announced our um, coronavirus protocol yesterday, the day I get back from California, which included me now being quarantined for 14 days in my house, which means that's why the sound quality on this episode is a little iffy, because we're not in our studio, we're recording via Skype. So apologies for that. But, you know, I think a lot of businesses now are taking this a lot more seriously. And, um, you know, I want to be here as a platform, as fuel, to say, here's some practical things you can do the hotel or at least things like we always do we like to get you thinking in the right direction and you can make decisions that are right for your business um we're not here to tell you what to do we'll just tell you how to think and, and maybe it can can help you as you prepare so right. if, I, if just if i could drop in something that you just said Stuart, that i agree with mostly but i actually disagree with partially we're on the first wave 
nobody's died yet. Nobody's been fired yet, per se. Um, the real impact, the initial impact is right now we're still in the shock factor. This is what happening right now where all of a sudden we're seeing it in the news. And until you lose somebody you know or until you lose the business at your business is the first hit. That's the that's the one we're talking about, you know, the analogy of Mike Tyson's statement kind of thing. And right now, nobody's getting fired. Uh, doors aren't closing. Businesses aren't failing. That's the part that is the conversation to be had now is the preparation of what you're now going to do now that it's reality. Yeah, yeah for sure. And and I think it's, it's inevitable that um, those those tough conversations are going to have to be had now. We were already kind of, you know, and we've been talking on your show, Lauren, for several months mainly because of the data that Robert Paul collects, but it looked like we were heading into a, a plateau in the market. You know, we're off the, mm-hmm. the back of eight or 10 years straight of growth of ADR and occupancy, um, unprecedented in our industry, but we saw that d- definitively slowing. We didn't feel like it was heading to a recession, but unless there was a major black swan event and guess what? This, this is the definition of a black swan event. No one saw it coming. It's out of left field. And it's catastrophic. I mean, it, it's literally a global pandemic. So, you know, I don't say that to, sh- to scare people more than they're already scared, other than the reality is, you know, fewer people are going to travel. No question. Fewer people are going to have group meetings. And that's going to have a devastating impact on our industry, which does mean that, you know, revenue is going to be significantly down. So we've got to figure out how do we deal with that? How do we make the best out of a really, really bad situation? That, that's the reality we're dealing with. So, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. Um, I'm not dealing with the coronavirus, I promise. I had the flu. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> the other little virus that, that's going around and then decided to run a marathon on the back of having the flu. So that was kind of stupid, but here I am left with yeah, coffee. He survived. He survived. Yes, Melissa, Melissa and I did our first marathon. We were super excited. It, oh, it congratulations. Was, uh, it was uh, many hours of training in, in tears and blood and sweat and, and frustrated texts back and forth. But we were each other's accountability buddies. Everyone needs an accountability buddy. Melissa, was it true, the rumors about the fact that you carried him the last mile? <laughs> no, he finished yes. the uh, race long before I did. <laughs> I, I do have a video of Melissa finishing, crossing the finish line, though. And uh, it was really <laughs> awesome because I, I, I did finish a little bit before her, but she did great. She ran through the finish line and there was a guy walking in front of her. So it looks like she's just going blazing fast because she's <laughs> about 100 yards from the finish line. It's great. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So let's jump into the topic. So, Lauren, wh- tell us a little bit. Where were you back in, when 9-11 hit? Wh- what were you doing? I had uh, five hotels in the Florida Keys, uh, four of them in Key Largo, one of them in Key West. And that market at the time, um, salespeople weren't salespeople. They were order takers. We always had somebody interested in doing business with us. Heck, it was the Florida Keys, right? Um, we had 58, uh, excuse me, 48% of our traffic was walk-in traffic, no pre-reservation. Everyone thought there was infinite amount of inventory in the Florida Keys for hotels. So we always had a line at the front desk. Uh, and then 9-11 happened. And for people that may not remember the extra detail, in Florida, we also had the anthrax scare with Boca Raton, which is lending itself a little stronger to the dialogue of the similarities between 9-11 uh, and in Florida compared to other places was that there was this not just fear of travel, fear of going outside, fear of going to places in general where there were people not knowing if there was something that was able to be caught or shared. 
So there was a little bit more of a taint of that in similarities to what we have right now. Um, and all of a sudden, literally, as it happened today for some of you, what you all are dealing with in some markets and, when, and other markets have experienced, the road, there was no cars. There was nobody at the front desk. And the staff is the same full staff that was busy as heck was wandering around like lost souls. Like, now what? What happens now? You know, the shock of the reality of the, of the news was one thing. The reality of their lives was just beginning to sink in like, oh, my gosh, job, job security. Do you, you know, is somebody coming with anthrax or something? Do we need to, ta- you know, not shake hands? All this kind of stuff was there. So. Yeah, I think that's one of the first places I want to start the conversation is talking about internal communication. You know, did you take the approach of being transparent with your staff about the realities of there may be layoffs and the folks that are here now are safe, but, you know, we, we just let these guys go because we had to, to survive. Like, well, how transparent were you and what were the kind of messages you were sending to the to the frontline staff? Well, first off, it was there was actually three conversations dip at different time frames. One was the assurance to everyone that we are aware that we have some to do, something to do, and that was the general population. The next immediate conversation was the executive committee conversations of what is our plan for this? What is our response, not just to generate business or find business or whatever that solution is, that's in its own, but what is our plan for what happens if the business isn't returning in a short time, medium time, long time? And what, is that, what does that mean for us? And uh, then the third conversation we had was with general population saying that we're doing everything I can to, to keep business coming and that we're going to begin communicating with people and keep them informed. We used to have what was called NETMAs uh, in the morning. Uh, nobody ever tells me anything meetings. I've made them that every department <laughs> had to show up for this. And we you know, need they, that. Yeah. You know, somebody somebody had to show up and share the news like this is what business is, this is what we're doing. You know, Bob's painting the wall over here, Tom's doing this room renovation, whatever. So there was always that constant communication. So you can't stop those and you can't ignore the realities of what's happening. So you included it into the dialogue of daily, this is what's going on. But we didn't share with them that we were creating prioritizations and you know, risk lists and fallbacks and all this other stuff. Yeah. So do you want to elaborate on that? So what are some of those tactical things you were, you were doing at that time? Sure. One of the first things, well, first eminent things was where is there still business? Uh, you know, all of a sudden we weren't getting the same business. No cars were driving in. People weren't you know, coming in. So we had to literally go to the basics of, well, people are still unfortunately passing away and there's still funerals. And there's still people getting married despite the concerns and certain uncertainties. And people are still buying homes and people are still risking the travel because this is something that they still are willing to do. All things that we're still facing right now. And so this is back in the fax machine days was, okay, let's get the phone books out and start contacting these places and seeing what we can negotiate as uh, business opportunities of offering them you know, negotiated rates, LNR rates. Uh, that was first phase. And that was also a training aspect. Salespeople didn't know how to sell. They didn't know how to pick up a phone and start talking to people about, hi, I know you're a scuba diving shop in Miami that sends people to us or used to. Uh, how can we get that back? How can we offer you something that makes you willing to send people back down to us? You know, they didn't know that. Usually they were telling these guys to bugger off because they already had too much business. So it was kind of a humbling hat in hand. Uh, hey, we're sorry for being pains in the butt last time, but we really, really would like to talk to you now. So that was a little learning curve for that. And then the other was um, taking your budget and stress testing it. And what I mean by that, there's lots of ways to doing it really, but the most fundamental is simply whack off percentages of revenue and see what ugly costs come up that you can, A, not control, B, if controllable, what does that mean? And three, what do you do about it? 
and you bring this down to scale to, you know, section by section by section until you realize how little of what you ha- can afford to pay for that keeps lights on for a business or whether you actually have to close the door and say, we have to wait for business to return. We can't run the business. And we almost got to that scale. Um, like I said, it's easy to first look at people that aren't performing and, you know, reducing that. There's people then that were new and realized that they're first on the auction block when it comes to reducing costs to keep those that were more trained. Then you start looking at people that are cross-trained that you can use in multiple circumstances and situations because you may not need them as much in their original role and you can use them elsewhere. And when you have to then start cutting those people, then you get down to your core people that are your best at what you're doing that are the most costly to try to get back should business return. And then you go through that layer if it continues on longer than you anticipate. And we got down to the point where our executive committee was our operational team, the GM, myself, was running between hotels, um, checking people in at the front desk. Our housekeepers, all head housekeepers of my, all the hotels aggregate, were our cleaning crew for the rooms. Uh, our engineers were the repair people in the room. And even we had to reduce that down to we kept one engineer for three hotels because they were close to each other. So we got to that point where we had to let go people that we cried letting go uh, because of the durability question you have to confront. The If this lasts, what does this mean? And as you know, there's even worse horror stories in Orlando and so forth where whole hotels molded out because they couldn't pay the power bill to keep the air on. So that's the durability question that we have to – you have to consider that in your planning process. You have to have that painful conversation with the exec team. So you'd literally literally map that out. So you take your budget, take a percentage off, and run scenarios through how do you cut. And when you're doing that, would you – what consideration did you do? Because – a lot of folks are mindful of the last thing you want to do is cut the quality of service, right? So for the few people that are coming, you want to make sure they have an outstanding time because that's the only way you're going to survive. If they come back, if they go and spread word of mouth and they become ultimately loyal customers and evangelists for your brand, without that, you know, you're, you're just in a spiral, death spiral. So how, right. do, you, how do you ensure that you're not sacrificing the quality of the product at the same time as reducing costs. There's three components to that as well. One is that your pricing strategy maintains your tier mm-hmm. level. What I mean by that, if you're normally at a, at a third position within a, a comp set of five, then you maintain your price strategy compared to the ones below you. Nobody wins by racing rate down to the bottom. We can have that conversation all day. Um, but keeping your rate integrity also means that for the people that are still coming to you, we have an added component now that I didn't have to deal with back then, and that is the 800-pound social media gorilla and also a consumer sentiment sites that just didn't exist back at this time. So you have to worry that if you reduce your service scale or reduce your rates that you have people coming in at a lower rate because you're, you're just reducing expectations as well. You no longer keep the bellmen or the floor staff or what have you, or you've reduced your service profile to accommodate for the lower rates that you've gone below on. You're going to have a worst worry in the future when business comes back that you have to come from underneath that reduction in your review scores than you ever would if you just kept a higher rate mentality or higher service uh, level that you originally would have kept and maintain your review scores that you have to worry so much about now that we didn't have to worry about back then. But it's not selling more than you can service. And that is a definable number by rooms. Uh, some things that kind of bleed over to current strategies that we did back then, everybody got upgraded. Everybody stayed in our best rooms. We did not put them in the lower rooms. We also took advantage of, because of the reduction, 
putting out of service rooms that gave us a long curve of engineering and housekeeping, deep cleaning, things that we, because when we were used to be busy, couldn't get to, this was a great time to tear the drywall out, so to speak, and do those kind of things. Should you have the capacity or bank to do that, then consider those as options during this time as well. But we did that on some of our rooms that we always had to undersell because of their quality issues in comparison to the full inventory. We were able to bring them up to a standard so when business did come back, we could bring ourselves into a better rated position for them. I love that. I love that you're, you know, setting an expectation and over delivering that the fact you have um, availability and, and that you can manipulate it that way to give people free upgrades. is such a good little, you know, surprise and delight opportunity. And I've seen so many people having the, the rate debate right now. And, and, you know, I keep coming back when people ask me about it is this, you got to look at the reason why the lack of demand exists today, right? It's not a rate driven thing. It's a fear driven thing. And you you dropping your rate today by 50% is not going to necessarily create extra demand. And it's not going to eliminate the fear. So instead of dropping your rate, we're encouraging our clients to maintain rate, you know, sacrifice occupancy if you have to, but try to find ways to create um, or eliminate the fear that does exist. So maybe reevaluating re your, your cancellation policy. So that if you've got people that are looking to stay in the summer, and, and the reality is probably with this coronavirus, much like influenza and other similar coronaviruses, it's going to be very much minimalized before the summer comes around once things heat up and some of these, these things that we're putting in place now are going to take effect and we'll get through that curve. Come the summer, we're probably going to have an okay summer from a hospitality perspective in the U.S. for domestic travel. So how can you get that book, those bookings on the books now? Well, encourage people to book by reassuring them that if they do, they're not going to be penalized if the worst case scenario happens and they can't come and stay. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the, you know, a lot of the insurance companies are now saying they won't pay up for cancellations due to Corona. So this this is an opportunity for you as a hotelier to to take on some of the burden of the risk and say, hey, we're in this together, guests. We'll take on that risk. If you want to cancel because this stuff's still going on, we got your back. You know, it, it's a risk. It could take a hit, but it could also be the thing that saves you in this dire situation. So I actually quoted you on today's show with uh, with the presidents when they were on there. And, and to recount something that we were at the last normal conference, I think, before the world fell apart and navigate. Um, yeah. The happiest moment in the travel journey is the anticipation, expectation, and planning process. Well, yeah. here we have everybody sitting up in confined space, self, you know, uh, self quarantine, which is a term I didn't even know existed, you know, a week ago. Um, and and you know, they have time to read, they have time to view, they also have time to dream. And all we did was put a dike in front of a river, and the water is building up behind it. The anticipation of travel is growing. The people sitting at home are getting cooped up, their kids are going crazy. Just play the, the baby shark song for 10 minutes. You feel you feel like every parent. Okay. So this is all building up. The more now that you can add into your social organic and even paid social, get in front of people about talking about future tense, things to look forward to come over 30 days from now. Like give give up the 30 days right now, other than we can talk about some of those strategies of what you can do now. But, you know, look, talk, start talking about future tense stuff in a way from all your storylines, cultural, culinary, family adventure, soft adventure, off the beaten path. 
you get you create those storylines and you start sharing content. It's very similar going back to 9-11 where we didn't have a lot of ways of reaching guests in their pre-arrival. Now we have infinite ways. And, you know, we used to send snail mail stuff, brochures and stuff, anticipating their arrival when they come, really trying to build it up because email was still relatively new and not as used as, as, as it could have been. But it still people weren't relying upon it. It was like a secondary means of communication, so to speak. But, you know, snail yeah. mail all the time, we used to send crazy stuff. And so we really tried to build the hype. And then, of course, the expectation of saying we're going to put you in the biggest room, the best room we have. It's going to be around the water, this, whatever. Just got them just frothing like, yeah. And, and so they truly enjoyed their experience. And we got so much once business came back to a bit of normalcy of repeat guests that we really wanted to go over and keep that going. But we got too busy to keep it going. It's like now we have the technology to do that. We can keep that going, yeah. which is really cool. So I, the one thing I do know is once this thing is, you know, once we're past the worst of this, People are going to want a vacation. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. going to need a vacation. And, and you know, if you're on a, in a beach destination, what better time now to be talking about, you know, relieving stress and, and eliminating fear and things like that. So you, you touched on this, you know, you touched on talking about social media and, and spending on advertising. One of the things that people turn to often when there's a downturn in an economy is cutting their advertising budget you know, or their overall marketing budget in general, but they typically look at advertising first and foremost. And, you know, good friend of the show and, and he's going to be a guest on next week's show, Tim Peter, always talks about when he, he was back at um, a, a property group and they, during a downturn and they came to him and said, we, we need to cut 10% or 20% off the budget, whatever it was. And he pulled out the data and showed them exactly what that would do to demand if he did, you know, so... Uh, you know, we're, we're believers here that cutting advertising at this time is probably the worst thing you can do, right? It, especially if it's performance-based advertising, if you're measuring the ROA, ROAS and, and you're getting a good return, this is an opportunity to actually take market share from the folks that are pulling back on advertising and come out of this situation stronger for it with a bigger mm -hmm. footprint in your market. So yeah, Stuart, what, I just had a conversation approach? today about that specifically with the uh, kind of like an advertising group that that I'm I'm a part of, and they were they were all talking about oh should we should we pull back on budgets right now? And I said why why would you do that if people are you know looking for the things that you're advertising towards like specifically search campaigns? If they're still searching your keywords, why would you pull back? I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is the time yeah. to to reach them when they're cooped up. I actually scare my clients with telling them it's like so you're going to shut your street light off when people you're just thinking they're going to find you with dark lights. You know, yeah. uh, you're, you're literally turning off the very sign. How are you going to run the race car if you don't have gas in it and, and your revenue is your gas stream? So, you know, right now I'm loving the fact that companies are doing what you're saying they're doing because where I was fighting for inches on market voice, I'm gathering miles of it. I'm, I'm on terms without increasing my budget. I'm on terms I would never have fathomed to pay to do because yeah. the price went through the, the basement where you know discover san antonio or, or or you know the alamo or downtown hotel vancouver or something used to be 15 18 bucks in its prime i'm getting it for dollars and pennies and even though yes the click-throughs are less i'm from talking from a thousand people i'm talking to ten thousand people so even if you add a couple of decimal places i'm still 10xing my return on those things so yeah. this is the time that you can really gain the market voice and share a voice because, you know, I, I look at it that when the market does come back, and it will for whenever it does, I like to be the guy in front of the line going, hey, remember me? I've been talking to you the whole time. You know what I mean? 
And yeah. it's going to help in that sense, I hope. Yeah, so I would say, you know, to the folks listening to this, a lot of folks are in the marketing team, uh, and they're going to have pressure from ownership right now. That they're going to be coming and having these conversations if they haven't already, saying, we need to cut your budget. Where are we going to cut budget? You need to be strong, and you need to use data to back this up and say, if we do that, run, run the theoreticals. Say, this is our return. If we cut this, this is how you're reducing your revenue opportunity. You know, every dollar we spend, because you listen to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast, we know that you're tracking things to the penny. We know that you've got a good attribution model and that you can justify every dollar you spend and say, this is how much money it makes. And mm -hmm. so go back to them, push back and say, hey, if we do that, we're exacerbating a really bad problem. We're going to accelerate our, our spiral and we're all going to be hurting a lot more because of it. Fight I think that money. Tell them I to think look some of that goes... Somewhere. Sorry, Stuart. I think some of that goes to what, what Lauren was saying too. You, if you if you cut that off, yeah, you can show them the the exact stats. You know, we're we're going to lose likely this many bookings, this much revenue, and that's just from the the advertising campaigns you have currently running. And and you're, what you're leaving out is the awareness that those create uh, that that isn't trackable. So, I mean, there there's a whole other facet to it that that you really can't track that is still. It's still there, though it may not be as tangible. And in, in, in a good sense, this is a lesson to be learned on the impact of diminishing your marketing and the ripple effect that it creates. Because here we're looking at, if we think optimistically, that we're going to have 30 days of fear. Let's be as optimistic as optimistic can be, I guess. Um, and so we have this gap point in the demand factor. We know that this is going to ripple through our summer. The best we're going to get for summer is going to be drive traffic domestic. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying that other avenues might open up even when they drop, open up the borders again, but there's going to be a hesitancy on international travel and so forth and so on. It's certainly not going to be the numbers of normal. Um, you know, so it's going to have that ripple effect. And then going into third and fourth quarter, as much as you want to feel optimistic, it's going to have an impact on it. Usually those are diminished uh, seasons uh, for some markets, major markets. And that means that you're not going to get the return that you were going to get to replace what you lost for the summertime changes. So you got to look at your entire year for that. And it kind of goes, Stuart, to where I quoted you on for guest-centric. When you're looking at reality right now today of cancellation policies and, you know, what should I do? I got people that have prepaid and now they want their money back, so forth and so on. What you do now in crisis is more impactful on people's perception of your business than anything you did for the past 10 years when business was good because they're going to remember it. There are people to this yep. day that from 2008, 2001 will not do businesses with companies because those companies held their feet to the fire, made them pay money they didn't have because they wanted to just get the dollar of the day and forget the dollar of the next day. And now if you're, right. you're guest centric and you've always been a proponent, your team has always been a proponent of that. If you're guest centric, these people will remember your kindness and they will come back to you because of it. Yeah. And, and especially that is true on the group side, you know, because a lot of folks, a lot of groups right now are, are being forced to cancel, right? It's not something they particularly want to do, but a lot of businesses, they have these policies that are preventing non-essential travel. They're, they're, they're banning it. And, and, you know, folks like me that ended up traveling are getting quarantined. So it, it's, it's really not these conference organizers or group meeting organizers fault that it's happening but it's going to impact their bottom line. They're going to lose massive revenue streams. So a lot of folks, this is, this is their lifeblood. And if you, if you are a hotelier now, make that bad situation worse by enforcing, you know, policies that weren't, the spirit of the policy wasn't to, to deal with situations like this. You know, this isn't 
this is almost a force majeure, right? It, it's something that no one could have predicted. So this is where common sense needs to prevail, and you need to have a common sense, golden rule type approach to deal with the situation. I, I was dealing, I'm on a committee that's organizing a conference right now, and we just made the tough decision. It, it's not until May, but the board decided they were going to postpone it to the fall. And, you know, the, the property, we reached out to the property and, you know, they could have stuck us for a bunch of penalties, but they said, listen, we trust you. We know you're going to come back. Here's what we're going to do. You know, it, it wasn't free that we, you know, we lost a, some deposit, but it was, it was something that was palatable and more than fair. And guess what? We'll go back to that property. Had they mm-hmm. been jerks about it, had they, we'd never go back to them again. And we tell everyone we know, know never to go back to them. So don't don't cut off your nose to spite your face. Don't say, I'm going to hold these guys' feet to the fire because I need this revenue from this one event right now. Because the long-term effect that's going to have is going to last for years and years and years. And you will not be able to recover from that. So right. apply, apply common sense and treat others the way you would want to be treated. People very definitely true. don't forget how, you, how they've been treated, especially in times like this. Yeah, very much so. Speaking of which, uh, I know you all are a huge advocate of independent hotels and so forth. Talk about an opportunity of an opportunity of an opportunity. This is the chance for us to shine as independent hoteliers because brands do not have an answer to this. They, they, all their hotels are looking up going, okay, brand, I pay you. What are you going to do for me? And, and there's, they can't, there's, we've always known there's a gap point between brand marketing, branding for itself and property centric. And there's, and, and they don't have answers to help everybody. There will be attrition in their ranks because they can't save everybody. And and even themselves, they can't even save themselves per se. Nobody's really bonvoying right now. So, uh, you know, it's one of these, they don't have a scalability in place. And this is a huge opportunity for the nimbleness and reactiveness. I give you both, all of you, I thought three of you compliments and your whole team, because the fact that you're buried with calls means that you have well-informed clients that know that they need to be asking you, did you shut off my European campaigns? Did you target my drive market? You know, I talked to some organizations and brands and they're like, well, brands doing whatever brands doing. Yeah, that's not a good answer. You know, they, there's a lot of things they don't even know that's being done from or not being done from them because it's always been kept behind a wall. So this is a wonderful opportunity for independent hotels to gain valuable market share and voice because of how they are guest centric. They react, how they're adaptive to the, to the market's interest and the types of travelers they are looking for. Brand just can't do that. They just have to stand there and wait for people to show up at their door and offer what they can. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. We, we, I mean, like you said, we've been inundated with calls. I've been talking to clients most of the day today. I know Melissa and Phil have as well. And, you know, that, that's, that's when you need a partner to step up. That's, that's when you need, you know, if your agency out there is, you know, just doing the bare minimum and doing the, those nuts and bolts things that they've always done, that's, you don't have a partner. You don't have someone that's trying to help you through this, this situation. So, you know, we're preparing a lot of things to, to help, some playbooks. Like I said, we've got a white paper coming out next week that will be available on our website, and we'll do an episode of that as well. In the in the meantime, there's a lot of resources out there, a lot of webinars being put on, a lot of you know white papers and downloads. Um, HSMAI has got a lot of um, – HSMAI.org has a lot of great resources, and then AHOA has a lot of great resources. Um but, stick, you know, this is a time to stick to your fundamentals. And honestly, the timing of last week's episode is really interesting. So um, episode 135, where we talked about Google is going to destroy us all. 
and how we needed to focus on the fundamentals and the, the guest-centric side of what we do. What assets do we have? You know, we get to host these people. We have the guest data and we have these guest touch points. Now more than ever is when we need to lean into those things, especially things like guest data. Lauren touched on it earlier. Doing things like outbound calls, direct mail at this point to try to drive demand from your loyal guests um, is really important. And then think about the messaging. Like how are you changing your narrative? Maybe maybe talking to them about how you're um, changing your cleaning policies to, to you know add extra protection to the guests. Maybe talk about how you're waiving your, your um, cancellation policy, those kind of things. So, Lauren, I really appreciate you being on the show today. And I know we could probably talk for about 20 more hours. Is there any more kind of takeaways or any more advice you can offer our folks? No, I think I think you've, you've grabbed, grabbed the, the things I think were the most important out of all of it. I, and, and I want to don't sound like a broken record. I, I, I'm pretty much echoing what you guys do each week. Guest-centric service is going to win the day. And I mean that from just not from our service profile of what you do for your clients, but also what what our, our hoteliers are doing for our guests that we're taking care of them. Uh, there are some things from uh, a communications point of view. We talked about communicating with our teams, but we didn't really touch strongly on communicating with our guests in as much. And we need to do that as well. Uh, pepper in like we're, we're doing a uh, retargeting of people that are on arrival. We're retargeting on their social platforms, soft communications of how we're enhancing our cleaning policies within the room to make them, you know, addressing their concerns of, am I going to a clean place? Reminding them that hotel rooms clean are cleaned more, be- more frequently and better than most people's homes are on a daily basis. And that, you know, asking the guests to help us help them in the sense that rather than leave all of your things on countertops and so forth, that perhaps putting them into one central area so that we can get better to the countertops more effectively because we're enhancing our cleaning from not just wiping, but spraying to disinfect as well. That we're incorporating new aspects of uh, UV lights and flashlights uh, is our inspection process that although we clean common areas and high touch points like uh, handles and doors and switches and so forth. We we deep clean uh, less frequently walls and so forth. And with the, the extra inspection, maybe we're being attentive to make sure that maybe there's areas that we need to touch more frequently or may have been used and we need to clean. So these kind of soft communications to our arrivals reduced our, our, our cancellations uh, on the short term. People felt comfortable they were coming to a place that was addressing their concerns. Um, and then we can, we, we actually might bring that into our public conversation on social as well, because it was so successful with uh, our test on the, on the targeting. So things like that, communicating with our guests, not hiding from them and certainly not talking around them, uh, you know, distracting them like, oh, it's sunny in 72. Yeah. And then we still want to make sure you're comfortable coming to us. So I want to make sure we threw that into, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. So if people want to find out more about you, Lauren, and, um, want to watch the show earlier from today with with the folks from ahoa and hsmai where can they find you sure as mentioned on the website hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash live the show that ran today with the two presidents on it uh, two presidents um is show number 240 um we've been doing it for a little over six plus years uh every week and we've had the privilege of Stuart. thank you for always being there with us uh and you guys are you know you, i would love for all the fuligans to join us because we keep Stuart in line so uh <laughs> you guys are always welcome to join us whenever you have the chance if you're not already mm-hmm. doing too much right now so but that's the place to find us for the show and then we also have our own podcast which is not near as cool as you guys and certainly not award-winning like you guys and that is uh, <laughs> hospitality marketing but we do have an alexa skill which you don't have then all you have to oh, do is you go know to what? Alexa we, or Google no. Assistant. Oh. What? You did oh. it? 
Did you do it? No, I didn't need to. I tested it, and I said, I'm not going to say it because there's one in my room, but I just said, A-L-E-X-A, play the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast, and it just played. I didn't have to do it. You did it itself. See, you're so famous, even Amazon made it for you. I I think once once you're award-winning, it does it itself. I think you're right. I think once you get the plaque, you're good. (laughs) But yeah, so you can actually listen to to your podcast or ours on Alexa devices now. I haven't tried it on a Google system. It'll come through on Google Assistant and Siri, too. They both do the same thing. So yeah, it's cool stuff. Okay. Awesome. So, So again, tell us the name of your podcast. Oh, that's Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. Yeah, it was really creative. Okay. Original. <laughs> and then you, we didn't really touch on this, but your your video show that, that I'm on sometimes goes out live on Fridays every every week at um, 11.30 Eastern time. Yep. So it's, yep. it's unedited, unscripted, and sometimes quite controversial. We have a lot of opinions on that show. We do so, get a lot of opinions. Um, we were very polite to our presidents yeah. today when they're on there. We're very courteous to them, but we uh, rabbit hole a lot of stuff and, and – you're right. We don't agree, but we've been doing it now for a little over six years. Well, it'll be seven years in August. Although you tell me I can't have my first year birthday. So, uh, yeah, but no. uh, yeah, but we're it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a success, really, because Stuart and, and you've been on it and everything else. And we get those great intellectual opinions. And that's the way Melissa, you guys know, he steals all your ideas and brings them onto the show. Just so you know. Oh, I know. I listen. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> we'll have to get you on there to to tell a tell our secrets, Melissa. <laughs> all righty well thank you so much everyone for listening thank you lauren for being on the show i know this was a, a different kind of episode but the quality of the sounds a little different because of the situation and the tone is probably a little different because of the situation we're, we're all dealing with but we appreciate you tuning in each and every week and we are here for you if you, if you need advice at all on anything related to the situation you're dealing with at your property then you can always shoot us an email info at fueltravel.com or give us a call at phone numbers on our website fueltravel.com we're here to serve the industry to help us through this this crazy banana time melissa if they want to find out more about you or have a conversation where can they do that i am on twitter at ma cavanaugh m-a-k-a-b-a-n-a-g-h and phil if they want to reach out to you where can they do that you can find me on twitter at pforisca p-f-o-r-i-s-k-a and you'll get the notes to this week's show at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 136. Again, we're going to have a download available next week at fueltravel.com slash downloads, which will have some advice on how to market during a downturn. I think that'll be very valuable. And again, we'll turn that into a, uh, a podcast episode two weeks from today. And we'll continue to kind of offer advice through our social channels and through this channel and through Lauren's show over the next. 30, 60, 90 days, however long it takes us to get through this craziness. And then we'll be there with smiling faces on the other end, too, to tell you how to take advantage of the situation and maximize your market share and all that fun stuff. So that is it for today's show. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I get to hang out with the fuel again.